the Son of the Holy Spirit, Amen. With the communion of this liturgy, we bring to a close a very long series of times, which began with the first day of the feast, of the fast for the Feast of the Nativity. Because, of course, this is the end of the celebration of the winter Pascha. We have the two great feasts of Nativity and of Theophany, and now this feast closes it. It's the end of this time, this cycle. With the fast, we are attempting to humble ourselves. With the fast, throughout history, down all the years through the centuries of the Church, not only monastics, but married men and women, children, old people, tried to change their behavior. You can't change your behavior unless you've changed your mind. That is, metania, repentance. So there are all these things that link, that converge. And of course, if we've been Christians as adults for a little while, we figured this out. We understand that we can't be saved without being humble. The Feast of the Nativity is a feast of humility. God descends from where he is, beyond space, beyond time, beyond all the categories that, are, that we are conditioned by. And he comes into this place of places, spaces, times. And so it is a great act of humility. And it isn't just because it's in a cave rather than an inn and an animal's feed box, their manger, rather than in a nice little crib made of satin and baby blue but the very fact that he's here at all. If he'd been born in the Golden House, the Aureus Domus, where Caesar lived in Rome, it would have been an act of great humility. But he was born where he was born. So it's humility piled on humility. In the Theophany, one of the stresses is that here is God bowing his head to the human hand of his cousin John. Well, the fact that he has a cousin is an act of humility. Everything is humility. And now, St. Paul, in the reading, stresses that this fact of this uh, Christ coming, and he's being our high priest, alters the law and changes it. Because, as he said, Moses said nothing about Judah as a source of priesthood. So, uh, here, great changes are occurring. And yet, even though the law has changed, Christ is observing the law. And just as he bows his head years later to the hand of his cousin, John the Forerunner and Baptist, so now he bows his head, so to speak, to the force of the law. This is all very important to us, because we understand that you and I will not be saved if we are not humble. We know the story of the Desert Father, who usually in encounters with the evil one, and as we say, when he is having warfare, he loses. And he is very frustrated with his life and very despairing of himself, and he's depressed. At one time, the devil visits him and visits warfare on his head, as you remember, at night, and the monk is assuming that he's going to lose again. And at the end of it, the devil is chased away. And the devil is fleeing through the window of the little hut, the little keli. And the monk cries out to the devil, Stop! 
wait a minute, tell me something. And the devil stops and turns and says, what? And he says, how did I defeat you this time? I never defeat you. You always win. And the devil spat out at him, it was your humility. So we understand what can defeat the evil one. You and I who are beset by warfare, and usually warfare of the same kind, with the same kind of weaponry, over and over and over again. We are like fish that are always taken in by the same lure. And then we're mad at ourselves, how, could, how did I fall again? By humility alone do we defeat the evil one. So this winter Pascha is a passage of humility. The whole cycle is a cycle of humility from start to finish. And therefore, liturgically, we are reinforced in our seeking out of humility. But humility, humilitas, is not an abstract noun. Humility is when someone lets you down and you feel the irritation rising in you, even the anger. You feel rising in you judgment of that person, especially if he's let you down before. And you quit it. You humble yourself before the person and say, yes, all these things are true. He's not met my expectations. He's let me down. He's behaving like an idiot, and I'm worse. And at that point, you're smiling at your brother, and you're feeling indulgent towards his messing up. So a little community is a very good place to learn the most fundamental virtue of all the virtues, which is humility. Humility, which is the ticket for a non-stop flight to eternal life, for sure. The entire tradition speaks with a single voice. The consensus is, struggle for humility and you will be saved. Struggle for humility, not when it's convenient, not when you have time for it, not when you're relaxed, not when you're in a good mood, not when you've just finished reading something nice, but when you're in a rush and you don't want to be bothered and you don't want to be interrupted and you don't want people to block you, you've got your rhythm going, there you are. Now you are on the anvil where will be forged your own deification. Because deification is our goal. We want to be godlike. We want to have the nature of God insofar as in us lies, in us, so that the life of the Father, which is not bound by space or time and is not mortal but immortal, will be our life. And there is no way to read the Gospel, there is no way to read the tradition except with eyes that have been humbled. Humility should sting us. It, we should feel the lash of humbling ourselves because it is never easy. We are born in a fallen world, which means that we have inflated egos, and we spend far too much time being self-protective of the ego. What we need to shift here is to become self-protective of our eternal life and of those things that sustain it. Through the prayers of Simeon the Elder, Anna the Prophetess, and of all the humble ones, who are saints, and there is no saint who is not humble. May our humility be increased a hundredfold. Amen.